That's a lot of greatest things, isn't it? When you think of the greatest things that we can do in relationship to this life that we have, and concluding it with the concept that the greatest thing we can do is to serve God. I recall years ago when I came to know Christ, July 10th, 1975, one item that was so special to me at that point was the realization that I could finally serve God. I've been seeking him out for a long time as a young person, trying to figure out who has the right answers, and uh, God brought me to the gospel. And uh, I do recall the excitement of trying to serve God, even if it was handing out bulletins, folding them, putting up chairs, whatever it might be. That's a fitting song because it deals a little bit with what Nehemiah was up against. Uh, He had uh, arrived looked over the situation, talked to the people. They said, yes, we will rise and build, but then the work had to be done. I don't know if you've thought about it at all, the, uh, the work that is there. I uh, kind of reflected on what I talked about last week and out of chapter 2 and how that Nehemiah took the time to look at the wall. And I wonder what went through his mind as he did all the assessment as to How did they get to this point and have so much stuff that's still so much wrong? You ever thought about that? Uh, From what I understand, the uh, Jews started coming back from Babylon in about 539 B.C. Uh, Nehemiah doesn't come on the scene until 445 B.C. About 90 years later, he's uh, working with these people whose uh, uh, city has some things that need to be fixed in a great way. Now I can understand some projects get to where they uh, aren't cared for. Uh, We just uh, sold a house and if you've ever sold a house there is something that happens when you bring a realtor in and they start looking at your house from their eyes and all of a sudden now you've got more projects than you thought you had to do and uh, you find out how much you can get done in a short period of time. We lived in that house for 13 years. It's amazing what we got done in about 13 days uh, when, when, uh, when there was some prodding going on and some incentives. But as I think of Nehemiah and the situation there of uh, him coming in and seeing the fact that the rocks and everything were so uh, thick that he couldn't even ride through it. And I'm thinking, did not anyone over 90 years have time to move a few rocks? Could they not get together to move a few rocks? Could they not fix one portion of the wall? Or what did they get done in that time? And I wonder if it went something like this. That they all got together. These four. Everybody, somebody, and anybody and nobody. They knew that they needed to build a wall. And it needed to be built at some point. And so everybody was sure somebody would build the wall. Uh, Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Now, I'm not sure if it went that way for Nehemiah and the uh, folks there at Jerusalem. But the point was, when he arrived, there was so much work to do. And in 52 days, they got done what they didn't get accomplished in 90 years. Amazing what a difference it makes 
when one is focused and recognizes this is what God wants done now. Now let's work together. I brought something from one of my homes. Uh, that's this brick. I probably should have picked out a lighter one because this is getting heavy already. But the idea of Nehemiah building a wall involved many people. And we'll talk about that a little bit in detail uh, as we look at Nehemiah chapter 3. But really, in order for that wall to get done, it wasn't about just a few people getting excited about working on something. It required everyone to recognize where their brick needed to go in the wall, in a sense. That they needed to be motivated to see that they were a part of the process. They were a part of the solution. And as we look at what God has given us to do, we've basically concluded... That as a church, God is not calling us to build a wall someplace. But I believe if we truly embrace what we've been talking about for several, several months, about being a disciple and making a disciple, we would see our need to build bridges of relationships into the lives of others so that they can have a way of coming to know Christ and becoming more like Christ. And that that is not just the task of a select few But that each of us, in a sense, have our brick that we're responsible for building with in the lives of other people. Paul said it this way, some people plant, some people water, but God gives the increase. Are we planting? Are we watering? Are we seeing God give increase? And may we, as we look at Nehemiah chapter 3, are we capable of seeing how that this list In a list that, quite frankly, if you open your Bibles and you turn to Nehemiah chapter 3, you go to read down through that, your eyes will gloss over, okay? Because it's name after name after name of people that you have no correlation with or even know how to identify with, but the people of Nehemiah's time knew these people. They were their contemporaries. When they talked about who they were associated with, that made a difference, And Nehemiah gave us all this information. Nehemiah chapter 3 reminds me of a time in my younger years. I was, uh, uh, they called me the minister of youth uh, at the church that I went to. First time as a full-time servant of God. Excited about it. And uh, we had gone through some situations where we lost our first pastor. Uh, he, He resigned and we had a new pastor come in. And uh, he uh, carried on the tradition of having a radio program each Sunday. And I was just a young man, uh, mid-20s, and he asked me, he said, Scott, would you like to be on the radio? And I thought, wow. Now, if I knew what it was like to be on the, TV, you know, on the screen like it was the last few months, I would have said no. But, uh, but he said, would you like to be on the radio? I'm thinking, this is great. I said, I jumped right at it. I thought, this is cool. I'll be on the radio, and people will be listening to me in their homes. And uh, so he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read this passage. So I can't tell you what the passage was, but it was somewhere in Chronicles, and it was a list of all these people's names that were hard to pronounce. And I thought, that guy... Because I didn't have time to say no, and uh, I, you know, and I couldn't. 
back out on what I committed, and I didn't have time to review any of those names, even with the help of the pronunciation keys in, uh, uh, in, in my study Bible. It was a task to struggle through each of those names. So when I look at Nehemiah 3, that's what I see uh, at first glance. So for me, I had to back out of that a little bit and look at some key things that Nehemiah was saying. It's almost like when you look at all the things that can happen with your prescription that you have, and you see all these words that you don't understand, and they can kind of uh, confuse you a little bit. Uh, it's, I look for the words that can cause such and such, you know, <laughs> then, then I look at for something I understand. I don't really understand what all those other words are. That's what I did with Nehemiah chapter 3. And so as we, as we look at this, I would like to... Um, Look at some key items on how we build together and how we work together in this process. Let's pray. Father, again, this is our privilege to not only listen to your word, but to pray for your help as we understand it. Admittedly, this is a unique passage, and it's not going to be exposited in the same fashion which we typically do, but I trust that the intent of your listing this chapter in the passage is brought forward. Father, we could easily assign to this chapter a paragraph and skip it and go on to chapter 4. But Father, I want us to think about how this plays into our lives because I think it's critical that each one of us recognize that we have a place in this process, just like the numerous listings in this chapter of people who stood side by side working on this wall to accomplish the task together. May we recognize that you have called us to this great task of reaching people for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. As we, as we look at the first verse, and I won't be looking at all the verses in the scripture, the first verse gives us the introduction after Nehemiah has given his exhortation to the leaders, we can build this wall, we need to build this wall, and they said, yes, we will build this wall. And so he says this, he starts out listing what takes place first. He said, then Eliashib, the high priest, rose up with his brothers, the priests, and they built the sheep gate. They consecrated it and set its doors. They consecrated it as far as the Tower of the Hundred and as far as the Tower of Hananel. Again, in my opinion, the important words that I understand and comprehend, I don't know for sure where the Tower of Hundred was and what it meant and what its point is or the Tower of Hananel, but I understand the Sheep Gate. The sheep gate was the place where the sheep would come in for the sacrifice. There's a very important element to what needed to be done there in Jerusalem because the sacrificial system was critical. And so it was a very important gate to the high priest. And so the high priest uh, rose up, Eliashib, with his brothers, and they built the sheep gate. I, I see this as a starting point, not only for me to just kind of work my way around to see how the wall was built, and we'll see how that is done in just a moment, but it helps us see that there was, in a sense, a starting point. There was that spark of example by the high priest to, to not only be the one that 
Nehemiah says started a particular place, because it may not have been that he started, nobody else worked for a few days. I'm pretty sure they all started at the same time. But it was critical for them to see that the high priest was consecrating the work. The high priest was behind what was going on, and that as a result, it was quite symbolic to them to have him start that. But what happens in Nehemiah's mind as he describes it is he goes around the whole wall listing information about people that were working side by side. The passage that we read together talked about us working side by side for the gospel and how that it is critical that we not just depend on somebody else to reach people for Jesus, but it's something we do together. And in this case, Nehemiah is driving home. He uses the word side by side, or he actually uses the word nearby or next to, or, or behind or whatever, those type of prepositions 30 different times as he works his way around the various sections of this wall to indicate these are people that are working side by side. These are people that are taking up their responsibility, but they're working together. And so this side by side is, in a sense, working around the wall. You might have a map in your uh, Bibles that talk about Nehemiah and uh, you know, Jerusalem at the time of Nehemiah, and it'll describe the wall and, and the different things. I just put up here uh, the items as I went through the chapter and just listed the things that he gave by some form of name. I come up with about 24 different uh, landmarkers. Now, I don't know about you. When I travel and someone gives me a landmarker to go by, doesn't help me. Tell me the street, tell me the highway, tell me how many miles. Don't just go, to, don't, go down until you see such and such a landmark. But some of you are really big on landmarks, and you, you notice things when you travel, like, uh, like you probably should. Uh, but uh, the idea is he is giving them landmarks that they could go around, and he goes around counterclockwise from that first gate, the sheep gate, and describes all these various things and how the people were working with them. And of these nearly uh, around two dozen places that he describes, he lists 10 different gates, 10 different gates. Now, there are some who have chosen to maybe preach this message talking about the symbolism of the gates as regard to the spiritual life. And I'm not here to knock that or anything, but quite frankly, the symbolism in all of this is really in the temple. The temple is what describes who Jesus Christ is by the various parts of the temple and the areas of worship. And I'm not certain that um, really much of what Nehemiah is doing here is for symbolic purposes. I think it's more for clarity as how the people rose up and worked together and how expansive and how thorough the work was. But as he lists these gates, you can see some that might be of, uh, of, of consideration as you see the sheep gate. And I've bolded those. If you're seeing the, uh, um, the slide, it's, uh, it's got the sheep gate and the fish gate and the gate of Yashana and the valley gate and the dung gate and the mountain, the fountain gate, excuse me, the water gate, a different water gate than what you're thinking, um, the horse gate, the east gate, the mustard gate. Uh, and these, these gates all were important because they were access points. 
And they each had their own individual important role. And I believe that what Nehemiah is driving home is these gates all were critical to the function of the city of itself. And as we look at what things that should be important to us, we should look at what's important to us as a church for the function of us as disciples that want to make other disciples. And so as I look at the ten gates, that just reminds me, not that I need to have ten ministries, but that, that there are a variety of things that God will use to help us reach people for Jesus Christ and to train them and build them up in the work of the ministry so they can become like Jesus Christ. Uh, here's the map that I pulled out uh, and, and decide to use, because uh, I like the colors, they're pretty cool. But it has a list of the names of, of different ones that Nehemiah goes through. And you can see where it starts out. I'll just point at one of the items, if, uh, if you're here. Um, up here is where the priests are starting. They're at what they call the sheep gate. And they work their way counterclockwise. Just think NASCAR, okay? Just going around that way. Uh, so they are, they are going around, uh, Nehemiah is going around, and in that process, he is listing 75 names and 15 groups of people. Uh, so there's a lot in there that he is describing, and uh, he's encouraging us to, uh, to see the expanse of that particular work. And that's why I look at this also not as only side by side, it's section by section, reminding us that, that it's, it's not just the point of being busy about doing work, it's about being intentional in what we do. And Nehemiah was very specific to talk about uh, uh, this. Someone has counted up that he probably had nearly 40 sections that are described in the midst of all that next to, next to, next to. And in those sections, we know of the 24 sections by name that I showed you. Uh, some were more extensive. Uh, if you read through the text, you'll find that they, they, they fortified some areas, they uh, reinforced some areas, they talked about uh, even in detail how they put up the use certain boards and, and et cetera. So quite frankly, he didn't say that about every one of them. So there were different tasks that were of greater need. And if I could uh, uh, remind you a little bit, when he went and did his assessment, there was a particular gate that had more work that probably needed to be done because of all the debris that was in the way. So some of the work is more extensive. And as we look at our work in the ministry, there are some things that are a little more extensive. And there are things that take more time, more efforts, more investments to be able to accomplish what needs to be done. But... What's important to understand is there is unity in these different tasks. If you were to interview the people as they were working on the wall, you could ask them, what are you doing? And they could tell you, right? They could tell you. Well, I'm just doing what Nehemiah told me to do. Is, is that what they're doing? Or are they capable of, of sharing, I am accomplishing what God has led us to do, and my part in that is this right here. And I am confident that it's leading to something greater. As that we uh, uh, look at our roles, whatever our role might be in a local church, is that we recognize that we have a role to accomplish a goal of reaching people for Christ. And this is how God is using me in this particular way. 
And so you, you wonder about, uh, as each one has their groups and how they're working through that, you just wonder how that, that all work together because some of them would have different interests. Some of them would have different uh, ability to focus on things. Uh, there are some of us that uh, have short attention spans, right? Uh, and there's some that are very task-oriented and some that might be people-oriented. And there might be some people that you need to encourage to uh, work more and talk less kind of a situation. So you, you look at all the varieties of people working together. I'm reminded of this passage in Romans chapter 12 uh, where the Apostle Paul is writing to the people of Rome and he's just given them so many wonderful doctrinal truths about God and now he's in the practical element of starting to talk about how does this play out in your life and uh, he, he talks about first of all that we might make ourselves living sacrifices unto God and then he, he moves into this statement here for as in one body we have many members and the members do not all have the same function so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I believe there were different individuals involved with the process of building the wall. Nehemiah chooses to list some of them. And I don't know why he chose what he lists, because I know there are more people than just the ones he lists. Here's, a, here's some of his. He had priests and Levites. And perfumers, perfumers were pretty important back then, uh, goldsmiths and uh, merchants and rulers. I, I think about the perfumers as uh, they, their role was to make things in a sense smell better. Um, I wonder if their role was to go around to the workers and uh, help with that, that aspect. They probably didn't have to work on a wall at all, just get enough that. Or here's the other thought I had, they would be good ones to put on the dung gate, okay? Because uh, that's where all the trash and the bad stuff was. But we find out they didn't do that. They had their own portion of the wall that they worked on, and Nehemiah lists this. But I think what's interesting is that uh, there's no list of the, of the carpenters, you know? So, and the carpenters did this. And uh, the Masons did that. And, and it's, they're, they're not listed. That doesn't mean there weren't, anyone, weren't people skilled in that particular area. But maybe it was because it was assumed that that would be their job to begin with, right? Because you're the Mason. You should be the one to uh, do all the brick stuff. You're the carpenter. You should do all the wood-related stuff. And whether it's by intention or not, when I read through this, I start seeing people that are, in a sense, working on something that's not necessarily in their skill set, maybe not even in their comfort zone, but realizing that it was important to the process. And Nehemiah took the time to describe all those for some reason. And my application is for us to recognize that as we are in the process of making disciples, there will be times when some things fit with our skill set and we ought to put forth our effort in those areas. And there's going to be some times when it may not as much. But our passion should drive us to, to adjust and go out of our comfort areas so that we can be part of the role and that we not sit back and say, well, I'm not such and such. That's somebody else's job. We'll let them get it done. We'll let the carpenters, we'll let the masons, we'll let the electricians, we'll let the plumbers, you know, all. I, that, that was nice. They didn't need that. They didn't have uh, 
uh, HVAC or anything back then. So, but uh, but looking at the various roles that might be there. Now, not only did they build by order, but they also build a little by by their interest. Uh, you think about the roles in the sheep gate. Really, nobody else could do that. Nobody else could go and consecrate the walls. That was their job. They were the only ones that could do it. And as a result, they led in that fashion, and they accomplished that element. Now, another thing that you notice is you look at this context of the uh, different things that, that, that Nehemiah lists in chapter 3. He actually refers to those individuals that didn't work on a particular gate or something that was of significance in the sense of, of what it represented to the whole but it was important as to what it represented to them as individuals, their investments. It says, Benjamin and Hashem repaired opposite their house. Azariah repaired beside his own house. And in verse 28, it says, the priest repaired each one opposite his own house. And so you see that there was some investment. If a wall is going to keep and protect me, probably the place that I'm interested in being protected the most is uh, that which is nearest to my heart, and that would be my area. And I think that's true even in our ministries. As a, as a pastor, I appreciated those individuals that had a passion about a particular area of the ministry. Now, at times, it was hard because they sometimes had this, my ministry, and it is the one that rules, okay? That's their little kingdom area. But working with that and helping them learn how to play nice with others was a challenge. But what I appreciated was their passion for what they really took ownership with. And so uh, I'm excited when I think about this of the fact that Nehemiah lists those situations that were just right around their house. What hits close to home? What hits close to home for you? Where's your passion? What is it about Jesus Christ that is passionate to you? What's close to home? And think about what God is, has done for you. What testimony do you have of God's grace and God's work in your life? And then thirdly, just under this, this idea of building by interest is areas of responsibilities. Nehemiah lists eight different times. He says the ruler of, the ruler of was involved with this. As that those who found themselves in a rulership responsibility, they knew that they needed to step up and be the ones to guide and lead those that they ruled to accomplish the work of the ministry. And so we see sometimes that God has given us either by position or by areas of influence that we need to use that influence to help us accomplish the goal that we have. They did that for building the wall. We can do that for building bridges into the lives of others. Uh, the keeper of the East Gate is another example. But what I want to look at is uh, Melchijah. Melchijah... Uh, he was the ruler of the district of Beth Hakaram. Uh, he repaired the Dung Gate. I tease about the Dung Gate. It's an interesting name, Dung Gate, okay? Because uh, it comes with it all sorts of visions of how really that probably isn't the most nice part. We just recently set up a, uh, a trailer. And part of a trailer is you have to set up where the stuff that's been in the trailer 
that, that goes down the, the commode has to go someplace, right? And that's not the place you really want to work with a lot. At least I don't. I mean, that's not my interest area of, of working on that. And so I kind of just uh, think of that as being the area that is not as much appealing. And I wonder what motivated Melchijah to take on that role. Did he volunteer or was he voluntold? Was he the one that decided this needs to be done because this is an important place? All the trash and refuse and other nasty stuff has to go to this place. Probably doesn't smell very good. Uh, we can't get the perfumers to do it. So maybe I will step up and work on this gate. Now, I'm obviously using my imagination probably far more than I should in regard to this. But from 30 years of church ministry experience, I do know this. There are some things that are part of the work of the ministry that are not the most appealing portions. And it's critical for individuals to be willing to step up. Because it may be something that doesn't get a lot of fame, doesn't get a lot of recognition, doesn't get a lot of attention, probably a lot of hard work without much notice. And as a result, it's difficult to find people willing to do that. And as I think of Melchijah, I think of him as being an example to us that there's going to be some things that are hard and maybe not get the most recognition. People aren't going to, every time they go to the dung gate, to say, oh, there's Melchijah's name across the top or something along that type. They're probably not thinking of that. Um, but it was very critical to the operations that they were working on. And remember the fountain gate? That's the, the area that Nehemiah was working through and couldn't get his beast to go through, couldn't ride through it, uh, somehow so far in disrepair. Someone took that on. Someone took the harder tasks. Someone was willing to say, I'll take that. Remember in, uh, um, remember in Joshua? Who will take this mountain? You know, Caleb, give me this mountain kind of thing. You know, he's, the, you know, he's, he's uh, wanting to... Uh, you know, take on the harder tasks. And if you look at this in, in regard to it, the, even where it's located, the, the dungay is way down on here. They start up here, you're halfway through in the descriptions, and uh, Nehemiah is talking about that aspect of, of what they did. But he rebuilt it, set its doors, its bolts, and its bars. He was thorough in what he did. He didn't just go in and say, okay, this is a, maybe a tough job, I'll just work on it a little bit. He was thorough in what he did. And, and Paul talks about this a little bit because, you know, this is true in the work of the ministry. And as we look at our spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But... God has so composed the body, the body of Christ, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. This is in the context of those individuals that thought they could say, my role, my gift is important, yours is not. Uh, and and uh, basically Paul is saying, if we were all an eye, where would be the hearing? Or, or we're all a mouth, you know, where would be the seeing? And, and you think about that we can get to the point where we feel that our role isn't important. And uh, I just want to reemphasize what Paul did, that all of our bricks are important. All of them are critical to working together as we grow through this process. And then I want to talk about the te 
Tekoites. The Tekoites had a unique situation. Uh, just as next to them, the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles would not stoop to serve their Lord. Here you have a group of people that have defined leaders, nobles, those that were the ones that people should be looking up to, that nobles that were of such a position that they couldn't stoop so low to do the work that everybody else is doing, to, to stoop so low to do the work that they're, those in their group are doing, the other Tekoites. And uh, what I want to highlight is not so much the fact that there are people that don't want to work, uh, that don't want to do different things, but what I want to highlight is this. They worked despite the nobles. Think about it that way. Think about it. We can get so fixated on the people who aren't doing something that we don't do something. And so we should not get to where we look around and see who's not doing unless we have enough love for them to go help them get involved. But we should be willing to work regardless if others are working towards that goal with the hope that God will convict their heart and help them go because they were not working for the nobles. They were not working for Nehemiah. Look at the word says. The nobles would not stoop to serve who? Their Lord. And we sometimes forget that's the one we serve. That's why Paul in Colossians tells us we should not be like men pleasers, but we ought to serve God. And we should work for God in whatever we do heartily and do it for God. And so Nehemiah is just sharing the Tekoites were not going to be distracted because the nobles of the Tekoites weren't willing to work because they weren't going to humble themselves as much to be involved with that. The Tekoites did not allow that to distract them. Now the third item I just want to bring home is uh, that our building of disciples and what that looks like. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul is writing and talking about the role of pastors and the, uh, the people that God had gifted, the people that God had gifted the church with. And he calls them the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers. He says, they are given to us to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So if you ever wonder why you should be looking for a senior pastor, you should be looking for a senior pastor so that you can have better leadership in equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. A pastor to help you find the brick that you need to put in the wall, to be equipped to put the brick in the wall. Uh, he goes on to say, we are to grow up in every way into him, Christ, who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. That we work best and we are most healthiest when we're serving together to line ourselves up underneath Jesus Christ, speaking the truth in love, so that we are building in the lives of the other people. I look at it this way. We are, we are building 
excuse me. We are building people. When you look at what Paul is talking about, our goal is to build people. But look at the, the next part here. We're building people using structures. Nehemiah was building structures using people. But we are called to build in the life of people. And as we look at the structures that God desires for us to use to accomplish that, we need to remember the goal. It's for people to come out looking more like Jesus Christ. For people to become disciples. As we consider our little story at the beginning, for the people of Nehemiah, the people of Jerusalem, for who 90 years didn't accomplish what, um, what they needed to work on at that particular time, maybe we should insert this. There is a need to make disciples, and everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Father, forgive me for the times when I have not been active in focusing on your word impacting the lives of other people. That your word transforming lives to become like your son, Lord Jesus Christ. Father, when I have been more concerned what people think than what your word says in regard to reaching people for Christ and helping them to become like Christ. Father, I, I pray that you would help me in my area. And I pray for everyone else that's able to hear this message, that they will look at their own hearts and they will see what they control. They will see what you want them to do in this process of loving other people of sharing your truth, of speaking the truth in love, of building into the body of Christ. Father, I pray that you would help them to have a full confidence that you love them, you want to help them, you'll, you'll do this with them, and that uh, we as a church can work together for your glory. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.